So Addie, you come on up. So, hi, for those who know me, I'm Addie. I am Addie. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if you don't know me, I am Addie. Um, I live in India. I am from Mobile. Um, I went to school with the Turner, or Lydia. Um, the Turners, <laughs> the Turner. Okay. Um, I am an elementary school teacher. I teach third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Um, I teach English, social studies, and science at the moment. And anything else they're willing to give me, I will teach. <laughs> um, in case you're wondering a little bit about me is that, I don't know, I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. I lost everything. Um, I, oh, that's a bad photo from this <laughs> angle. My head squished. <laughs> um, I got distracted. So... I have a heart for children. It's something that I've always had. I've always loved doing. I've always had a heart for India also. My aunt spoke last year. Um, she and her husband run a mission hospital there. I do live separate from them now. I work at the school. And I am completely, as a volunteer, I work as a volunteer and I live there on kind of whatever I can make while I'm here. Um, but that's not why I'm here. I just, wanna, I just wanna share my heart with you a little bit and just tell you kind of you know, who I am and what I do and, and the heart that I have for these kids. And while we were sitting in worship, I was trying to think like, oh, what should I say, what should I say? And all it came back to was that they want to be known and they want to be loved, just like normal kids here. They want to, to, to know that you know who they are. That's the most important thing. This little boy, actually, his name is Rehanj. I don't know if it looks better up here than it does back there, but um, Rehanj is very small, and a funny story about him is we had um, PE class one day, and I am the PE coach also, <laughs> which I don't know if you know me, but I can't even walk straight, let alone run. <laughs> but Rehanj, he came up to me one day and gave me a big hug, and then he looked at me, and he said, Addie, ma'am, Addie, ma'am, ma'am. Ma'am, do you have a baby? Pointing at my stomach. And I was like, no, 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 no. He said, okay then, and then just ran away. <laughs> but the funny part is, is that he knew that it was safe to ask me that question. He knew that, that if he came up to me and asked me that I wouldn't get upset with him and that I knew who he was and that I wasn't gonna you know, yell at him or anything. And, and I kind of think that's how we are with God, is we can come to him and ask him what we might think are silly questions or what we might think is as important questions, but he thinks are just quite funny. <laughs> and, and I think that that's important that we, that, and that's something I try to share with my kids, okay? I try to share that, that God does know who you are. He knows your name. He knows where you live, kind of like Santa Claus. And he knows that, that you can, and you know that he knows who you are, that you can come up to him, and you can give him a hug, and you can say, I'm here. I have a question for you. <laughs> and that's okay. And it's important that, that, that you know that also, that you, as who you are, sitting in this chair, know that you are known, you are loved, 
and you are wanted. That's a big thing. You are wanted. You are needed. As a part of the body of Christ, you are needed. You don't have to be someone fancy going to to India. You don't have to be going to Honduras. You don't have to do anything. You just have to love the person standing right in front of you. It doesn't matter if it's the person at the drive-thru window in McDonald's. It doesn't matter if it's the lady at the Walmart. It doesn't matter who it is. Your job as a Christian, your, your mission as a missionary, is to love the person standing right in front of you. And I want to encourage you to do that. You know, love that person. It doesn't matter if, if they're being rude to you or not. Love them. Let them know that they are loved, they are seen by not only you, but by God. And that's, that's what I do. That's what I do. Every day, I live in a different country. Nothing special, I think. <laughs> but that's what I do is love the person in front of me, or I do my best to. So, yeah, that's all I have. <laughs> Thank you. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Thank you, Addie. Um, it's funny that that's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to talk about as far as being known. We, did, we didn't plan this together. It's just kind of cool how it worked out. Um, but, yeah, I want to encourage you guys. The bake sale is for her to help support her. Um, if you don't know, when she's here, she's working a lot. Um, and, and she's not, not at all just, you know, just hanging out, waiting for everyone to, to kind of pair away. She works very hard, and she works very hard over there, obviously teaching everything <laughs> um, that's there. And uh, as we've talked about before, we've got this primary mission, the secondary mission. Secondary is that she's a teacher, but her primary mission is to show the love of God. And I think it's a beautiful thing that she gets to do that in another country. Um, uh, there's always been this, this tug when we talk about missions and foreign missions and stuff. People say, well, there's people that need it right here. Well, yeah, but it's both and, not either or. <laughs> There are people here that need it, but there's also people over there that need it. So it's all nations that, that need to hear it. And there is something that, that I remember when the first time I went to Honduras, understanding that in different cultures, uh, people will think that it's better if you, which is real common, it's better if you get to America, if it's better if you get somewhere else. Um, many of us have that same idea sometimes, like the grass is greener. If I can just get somewhere else, it'll be better. And it's the same idea. And that's very vivid when you go to another country that they think everything is perfect over here. And when you go over there and you give them uh, your testimony and, and let them know that, no, there's some, there's some pretty serious struggles over here too. It's not a cultural thing. It's a human thing. And uh, so I'm really appreciative that we were able to support Addie. and want to encourage you guys to give even more than what the cupcakes cost. Um, but take the cupcakes so I don't get them because I'm trying not to eat cupcakes because uh, man does not live on bread alone or sugar, <laughs> or sugar bread or cupcakes. And uh, I already had one last night, so that's... The only one I can have this month. All right. So, uh, so yeah, I want to encourage you to do that. Yeah, they do. Y'all need to get those cupcakes. All right. Um, if you all stand up with me, we'll, we'll uh, take up our offering, and then uh, we'll let the kids get out of here. Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we pray that you lead us, that your Holy Spirit lead us in giving. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So we've got drop boxes back there, bas- drop boxes at the back, baskets up here, text to give, all the different ways.
with me. We'll pray over this offering. Father, we just thank you for this offering. Take it and multiply it for your glory in all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kiddos, go back there. Paula's going to teach you today. Half the church leaves. It's better. It's, uh, they, they got the metal out and scraped all the rust out, so... Apparently, you can get rust in your eye. It's an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, they got it out. Uh, it'd probably be better if I'd use my drops more often, but it's, it's healing. It's still a little fuzzy, which is weird because I've always had like really good vision. So when I went, they were like, when's the last time you been to the eye doctor? I was like, never. <laughs> I've just always been able to see well. Um, so yeah, it was, it was not pleasant, but it wasn't as bad as I expected. So he went in there and got it out and scraped all the stuff. And he was like, yeah, I get these all the time. Like it was no, it's like old hat. I've got a molten piece of metal in my pupil. Um, but yeah, he got it out, and it was not as bad as I thought. So thank you guys for prayer for that, and it is healing. It's just a little fuzzy. Um, what I, I do want to talk about is kind of on the tail end of what we talked about last week is Christ is life. Um, we talked about the, the, two, the two options that the world gives us, which is give up or try harder. Um, that's a pretty common theme when you get to a place where you're like, I don't know what to do. I either need to step it up a little bit and try harder, or I just have to give up because I can't do this anymore. And I think it's a common place that most of us at some point in our lives find ourselves. And if you haven't, just live a little bit longer, <laughs> and you will. And, uh, but I proposed a third option last week, and it honestly is really the only real option, the only permanent option, eternal option, not temporary, and that is Christ is life. Um, and Christ is the option. Christ is the option that is beyond trying harder or giving up. And so uh, coming on the tail end of what Buddy was preaching about as far as the, the death of us that have passed away is Christ as life. And I think that's a part that we really need to see, especially in church today and especially in the, the season that we're in. How many of you know that we go through seasons? <laughs> Our Pomeranian has started losing hair everywhere. And, and I found out just recently that that's common. I guess they lose hair at different seasons. And then I saw somebody else post about like certain birds being out and that spring's coming. And I think that this, in the same way we're going through these seasons and we're realizing things that are happening in our lives are, are just part of seasons that are, are coming and going. And I think it's, it's okay and it's healthy to see some of those things. And I think at the same time, we need to recognize that as those seasons come and go, that there's something that's constant. That we, we have these seasons that remind us of something eternal, that, that we can see things kind of ebb and flow, but we're constant in everything that we do because we are holding on to Christ and who he is in our life. Um, I just wish our Pomeranian would stop shedding. All right. But uh, what I want to talk about, we're going to talk about from John 20, verse 1, if you want to turn there with me. John 20, verse 1. 
This is after the crucifixion. Um, and Mary is looking for Jesus, and she's upset, obviously. John 20, verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, <laughs> They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And I'm going to talk about that first. We don't know where they put Jesus. She's looking for Jesus, and they don't know. She says, I, I don't know what they did with the Lord. We don't know what they did with Jesus. So she's searching for Christ. Um, what I found, especially in a lot of modern Western Christianity, is we put a lot of emphasis on death. Um, and like I said, it's not that it's not important that the death was important because he made the sacrifice for our sins. And that was a, a hurdle that had to be, uh, that he had to go through in order to have a, a relationship with us. So we have to recognize that sin wasn't the issue. The issue was the relationship, right? The, the issue was that God wanted to have a relationship with man, and he wanted to make a way to do it. Sin was in the way. Sin was just a hurdle that he had to get out of the way. For whatever reason, specifically in, in my experience, and I don't know about yours, when I first w began going to church, it was like we went to church to learn about sin. It was like all we talked about. Um, it, 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 was, it was so much so that it was like almost as if we were worshiping sin <laughs> instead of worshiping Jesus. I know that sounds a little kooky, but that's what, we, what I found myself being, being miserable trying to fix myself constantly and not looking at Christ but just looking at myself. Um, what, what religion did to me was traded out. <laughs> traded, it was almost like trading drugs for something else. It made me feel like I could do something on my own at all. The fact of the matter was I could never do it on my own. I couldn't do it in the world when I was trying to satisfy myself there, and I couldn't do it in the church when I was trying to satisfy myself there. Why? Because I was at the center of that. I was at the center of trying to figure out how I could fix myself when Christ said, I've already fixed you. I've already taken care of this. This is, this is a done deal. I couldn't, and I'll tell you for me personally, I couldn't grab onto that because I really had a hard time um, real bad back then. I still kind of have a hard time with it, um, is someone giving me something that I didn't earn. That, that's always been hard for me. I feel like I need, I, need, I need to reciprocate that somehow. And it's taken years for me to even be able to like receive a gift or for somebody to pay for a meal or something. And, I'm, and I have to be okay with it. And that's taken years to kind of get to that place. In the same way, when I came to the Lord, I, I, something happened. I couldn't fully explain it, but it was the forgiveness of sins. What I, what I was never taught and never really really had a good grip on theologically was this new life in Christ. It was always put off until what? Heaven, which is after death. It's like, it was, it was, it's like they were preaching death, sin, and death. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but that's, that's what, it, what it felt like. And really, the reality is what it ended up being. And so we often embrace what we need to kill, right? We need to lay down something. We're always talking about we need to lay down things that we need to kill. And so we have this theology and this, almost this, this, uh, this mindset of, of death. <laughs> and so our whole outlook begins to look like death instead of life, which is a sad place to be. Christianity is not a message about life. The good news is, I mean, it's not about death. The good news is it's about life. When Christianity becomes a message of death, we have to justify that message with an afterlife message. This is where I got way off and where I had all these verses I couldn't reconcile because I kept thinking the way that I was taught was our job is to go out 
and get people and like and like get them to heaven, right? That was the whole mindset was you've got to go out there and witness or what some other clever terms we used, soul winning. We had to go out there and we're going to we're going to like, you know, beat the streets and we're going to we're going to win over the world for the Lord, which is with good intentions um, but with wrong theology, I think. Because as I began to learn and understand what the kingdom looked like, Jesus brought the kingdom to us. Jesus, everywhere he went, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. Everywhere he went, he said, I've placed eternity in your hearts. Listen, this is why, oh man. This is why it hurts when we experience things that are very limited in this, in this life in the flesh. Because you weren't designed to die. None of us were. The reason it, it bothers us so bad when we experience things, not just death itself, but things that, that taste of death. And you can fill in the blank there. It could be self-righteousness law. It could be um, your, own, your own desire to do things outside of the will of God, honestly. Anything or, or the struggles that we find ourselves when uh, a situation doesn't, doesn't play out the way that we think that it should because we're, we're stuck on this spherical round earth. Um, the reason you feel that way is because you weren't created to die. The reconciliation that Jesus brought us was not just so that you can, you can get to heaven past that, past that ceiling tile there, but it's so that you could experience a new life right now. Like right now. <laughs> So Jesus came so that we could have life and what? Life more abundantly. I will be the first one to tell you it doesn't always feel that way. It doesn't always feel like you're living this abundant life. Why is that? Because the truth is we don't, we don't always fully understand what is going on in the spirit. Part of accepting something that is beyond our own understanding, is we have to give up the right to always understand everything. The Bible tells us that knowledge puffs up. It doesn't mean be ignorant. Learn. But it does mean that you're not going to figure it all out. I tell you, one of the most frustrating things for me was, uh, and I've told you all this before, it was about a year and a half when I tried to, I was debating with a friend of mine who was an atheist, and I tried to see things from his perspective. I wanted to look at everything objectively. Seems like an honest, I mean, like a good thing to do. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be, I'm right and you're wrong. I wanted to take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to look at what I think. Maybe I've been fooled with Christianity. And let me look at what you think. And let's look at those two things objectively and figure out which one makes the most sense. That, that seems logical, right? The problem was I was born again. <laughs> and I could not look from a different perspective. No matter how hard I tried, I was miserable. I don't know if you remember this. We were living in the other house. I was reading a lot of C.S. Lewis because he was in apologetics. <laughs> And C.S. Lewis is a lot smarter than I am. So the combination of trying to look at things objectively outside of my own identity in Christ and reading C.S. Lewis, I was about to drive myself insane. I'm just being real. I was going nuts. I wasn't sleeping much. I was stressed out. I really wanted my friend to understand Christianity, but I also wanted to look at it from a different perspective that was absolutely impossible for me to look at. That is what, that is what happens when we try to figure things out that we don't need to figure out doesn't mean you need to be ignorant or don't learn things. Yes, we need to dig in and learn things, but we also need to understand that if you can completely figure out God, that makes him not God anymore. I mean, God is mysterious in some ways. 
And we've got, we've got to be able to accept that to be able to function at all. When we get to that place, we understand that the things, the things that we live for are not just to figure out, but they're to experience as well. When you're on your deathbed, you're not going to say, man, I wish, I hope that you don't say this, I wish I would have figured everything out before I died. <laughs> I think you're going to want to be around people that care for you and that you care for. I hope that you do. Why is that? Because that's how we were designed. We were born from a community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, we come from a community. We come from a Father that loves his children. And we desire that, whether we believe it or not. We're going to jump over to Acts 17.22, and we're going to do a little contrasting and comparing, if we have time. So Mary lost Jesus. (laughs) She's looking for him. Let's hang on to that. We're We're going to kind of bookmark it, and we'll come back to it at the end. Acts 17.22, and Paul is speaking in Athens. So Paul stands up in verse 22, and he says, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. This is, this is huge and revolutionary at the time. We, we talk about us being temples now, but this was not common for people to speak like this, okay? So he's talking to a lot of people, and these people aren't ignorant. These people are very educated. Their, their very basis of belief is to gain more knowledge and be enlightened, okay? Athenians were, were wanting to know more and to reach some sort of enlightenment by, by way of knowing more. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if, as if he needed, needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that when... They would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of, as some, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So there's resurrection again, and we want to talk about repent briefly. How many of you know what repent means? Metanoia from the Greek. What does repent mean? Change the way you think. We have kind of translated that into just feel bad for your sin. Which, of course, you feel bad for sin because it separates you from God. That's kind of a no-brainer. Repent literally means to change the way you think. Why does, it, why does it say that we need to repent and change the way that we think? We need to think about a resurrected life. We need to think from a kingdom perspective, not from our own perspective. We need to think from things that we don't see because we have faith in the unseen. That takes some renewing of our mind. So he says, he has proven this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Verse 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered or mocked or laughed at him. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council, and some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. 
among them was several people and talks about, um, I'm not gonna get into detail who those people are, so it doesn't matter. There's several people that followed him, but a lot of people sneered and mocked him. So uh, many, of those, many of those people believed in something called Greek dual, it's dualism, but it's the Greek dualism, so they believed that there was a body and, and a soul. And the soul was trapped inside the body and it was trying to get out and they were always in battle with each other. And if basically if you increased your knowledge, you could gain some kind of enlightenment and maybe make it one day when you die to go to heaven. But if you didn't, I don't know what that point is. I don't know if they ever figured out what, <laughs> that's the problem with the law. You can't figure out where that scorecard fits. But if you reached that point, then it was good. If not, you went into the series of reincarnations until you reached that point. It's a, kind of a messed up system, but that's what they believe. So they believed that we were in battle with each other, and so none of this made any sense to them. Why do you need a resurrected body if your soul, which is a good question, what do you need a resurrected body if your soul is separated when you die and go to heaven, right? That's a legitimate question. It's a very good question because it's what Paul's talking about right here. That's why we need to recognize that the resurrected life is now, not then. You, of course you're resurrected with Christ. The resurrected life we need is right now on earth. This is, this is the, the radical message that Paul is talking about here that they don't get because they've already, they've already figured it out, right? They've got it because they're, they're intellectual and they, they figured all this stuff out. And he's saying, no, none of that matters. It's to know Christ. And the resurrection life I'm talking about is the, the life right now. That's why it was so important that he says the proof was that Jesus raised from the dead physically. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead physically, who cares? But he did. Why? Because we needed to see that. We needed our minds renewed to a, a resurrection life now, not just when you die one day, because that's going to happen. Right? We talk about it all the time. One out, of one, one out of every one person in here will physically die. You do, I don't have to convince you of that. What do we need, what do we need a, a mind renewal of? Christ's life now. We need to renew our minds to a resurrection life now, to seeing things and something, something specifically in, in my life now and something that I'm struggling with is seeing things past what's going on in front of me. There's something about faith that tells you even though everything looks a certain way, there's something going on behind the scenes. Why? Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and heavenly realms. Heaven is not some geographical location. Heaven is placed in our hearts. Heaven is, a, heaven is, is in the spirit. The kingdom is wherever Christ is. When we fight and when we renew our minds to something, we're renewing it to something that we don't see necessarily right in front of us all the time. When we talk about a manifestation of the spirit, it is something coming from within us in Christ and coming out of us, not something that we can try to take in. The reason we need, like Addie was talking about loving people, and our, our primary position is to love others, you cannot give out what you don't get yourself. You have, to, you have to have the capacity to receive to ever give anything like that. That's a C.S. Lewis quote, too. We have to have the capacity to receive or even deity can't give. Part of my struggle with being able to receive something was that I felt like I needed to earn it. It's not a bad thing in this world. That's a good thing. That's a good uh, work ethic. That's a good principle. There's nothing wrong with that. But the kingdom doesn't work like that. The kingdom gives you when you don't deserve so that when you see someone else that's in need, you give them because they don't deserve. And they recognize not your love because your love is conditional, but his love because his love is unconditional. When, when Paul's talking about a resurrected life here, he's not talking about when you die one day. And, and the Athenians were right and not right, but it would make sense that they would mock him in that because it, it's illogical. In their thinking, when you separate like that, what's the point of even having that? What's the point of having some resurrected life? Exactly. It was the struggle I had and 
maybe you had when you first started going to church and thought, well, what's the point of all this if the only point is to die and go to heaven? That was my struggle for years. Like, let's, let's, just, get, let's just get this on with, right? But there's something for you to do now. There's a resurrected life that's given to you, and it's not just a life, it's an abundant life. And there's a resurrected life that's given to you to, to share with other people. And there's no plan B. <laughs> He's placed his spirit in you for that reason. Now, you all have secondary, we talk about primary and secondary positions that we have. You know, Addie teaches every single subject in PE. I work a couple secular jobs, and, you know, I'm a pastor here. Those are all secondary to my primary. If I wasn't a pastor here and I didn't work those other jobs, I'd share the gospel in whatever way that was possible. I love, Ben and I talk sometimes about his, his job, and he goes and gets to meet people in different positions, and he gets lots of opportunities to meet new people and to share the gospel with them and to help them in different areas as he's out and about. And that's because he has a primary goal, he has a, a, a primary position in the secondary. He has to provide for his family, he has to, you know, all these things that we have to do, there's nothing wrong with those things, but we place those underneath our primary focus, and that's living that resurrected life. People recognize it. You don't have to, you don't have to go through and just read through the entire New Testament, Rome through Romans, or you have to bring them down all these different roads. When you build relationships with people, those those subjects come up. I had a conversation with someone last week, and it's funny. I should recognize this stuff, but I still a lot of times feel like the kid in the room. I'll get around a lot of uh, pastors or intellectuals and different things like that, and I'll just listen, and I think, what am I even doing here, <laughs> right? And I, got, I was encouraged last week, and I'm not saying this to, like, puff myself up at all, but it's to encourage you. Someone told me last week, there's a, we have a mutual friend, and I, I've talked to this friend. I worked with them in the past years ago, and I've worked with a new company for the last six years, and I haven't worked directly with him in six years. But over those six years, he'll call me for work stuff because we're in a similar field, and we can help each other, you know, in sales and different things like that, right? So he calls, and we'll talk about work for, you know, three or five minutes, and then he'll ask me a real pointed question about the Bible or about a, a common like a, a common thought process in whatever denomination someone's thinking a certain way. And, there, and it's, it's always like a challenging question, right? It's like a real deep, hard question. I'm like, wow, that's a big question. Let's talk about it. And so we'll spend, sometimes if I'm on the road, 30, 45 minutes talking about this. And I like it. It's fun. I enjoy it. But I never thought, for whatever reason, I didn't think that I was like ministering to him at all. I just thought we were having a conversation, which you do minister to each other when you have that. But what I was encouraged with last week is, um, this person came to me and said, hey, I, you know, I talked I talk to this guy the other day, and he just said, what a difference you've made in his life, and that you've helped him see a lot of things that he never saw. And he said, when we talk about work stuff, he said, when he calls you and talk about work stuff, you, you give the information, and it's all good, and you work out the stuff. He said, but when you start talking about the Lord and the gospel, he said, it's like a light switch turns on, and you get excited. And I thought about that, and I thought, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even know. I genuinely didn't even know. I just, it just happened. But what that reminded me of was not just me and my ability to do that, but, the, but what, what the Holy Spirit does in me that brings that abundant life out. And, and just, it pours out. And in those conversations, that's all that was, was just me being excited about how good God is and, and how the Holy Spirit would just blow over. <laughs> and I could share that. And it encouraged me and I needed it. In the, especially last week, I really needed to hear that. But I say that to encourage you. 
you know, we may, we may have been talking about some pretty deep subjects, but ultimately it was because of the relationship that we have as friends and the history that we have that we're able to share that with each other. And he's ministered to me just as much as I have him, I'm sure. But I want to encourage you that when you, when you come into these, when you come into these, I call them, well, when the Lord, usually it's early in the morning, I, get, I call them downloads. When the Lord just like, just pushes a bunch of information or, or goodness on me all at once, I have to like think about that throughout the day. And then I think about these divine appointments that I have with people that have to be. I mean, they have to be. There's, there's all these things that we say, well, that could be coincidence. Well, yeah, it could be, but how is it possible that this lined up with this and this lined up with this? I mean, if you, many of you can, like me, can look back at your life and go, wow, God was there, he 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 was there. But in the time, you didn't see that. You're going, I need to try harder or give up, but Christ, right? I need to try harder or give up, but Jesus. But, but he placed this person in my life. But he placed this situation or he placed this person in and he spoke to me in this way, and I saw him in this. And when I was cutting the grass, I saw him in that. And, you know, that's Christ's life. That's abundant life is recognizing those things and acting on them. It's not acting on them so that you can receive. It's recognizing that the Lord places these, these things that are, we think are hidden. He's not trying to hide them from you. It's fun, like playing hide-and-seek with your kids, but just like sticking a foot out because you want them to find you. It's like that. It's, it's being good enough to say, I love you and I'm never going to leave you and I'm not, I'll never forsake you, but I enjoy the time spent together and I'm going to place my goodness in all these different areas in your life so that you can see that it's not just when you get to heaven, but it can be abundant now. You don't have to try to escape this body. And you don't have to worry about being reincarnated several times to try to reach some kind of enlightenment so that you can make it somewhere. Christ did that. Christ is the only enlightenment you need. It's like he's light. <laughs> I've got some information about Gnosticism, but you can look that up later. In great, great, great contrast to those two things, we are Christians. <laughs> okay? So, huh? You know all that. <laughs> and in Christianity, uh, unlike Greek dualism or Gnosticism, uh, salvation is not achieved by an escape from this world. It's achieved by God coming to earth as a man. It's not the gathering of souls in heaven, but the gathering of redeemed people in a redeemed earth. Resurrection is not the resurrection of a corpse, but it's an entirely new way, repentance, remember? It's an entirely new way to live where the divine invades earth. It's a completely different perspective. This whole idea that we're just springboarding people to heaven makes us feel pretty stomped on. <laughs> but the idea that we, are, we get to partake in bringing heaven to earth is a completely different paradigm, completely different perspective on everything. And it will give you a much more abundant life. <laughs> it's much more enjoyable to build relationships with people and share the good news with them than to not care at all about them and just try to put a check mark on your religious duty. Yeah, I said duty. When Jesus shows up, we have life and we have it more abundantly. He doesn't just say, I'm going to make your life better. He gives you his own. Christ gives us his life so that we can experience the goodness of God. I love the scripture that says, as he is, so are we where? In this world. As he is, so are we in this world. 
That's not something that you're going to feel all the time. It's not something that you're going to see manifest all the time. But you can see it manifest. You can see Christ's life in those interactions that we just talked about. There's a, there's a, a beautiful, I mean, it's not just a concept. I don't, I don't even know what to call it. It's the truth. There's a beautiful truth that we get to live our lives in this limited amount of time. You know, we, if, we, if you want to take a step back and look at everything, and I, I just spoke with a friend about this the other day. I remember being a teenager looking at a, at a car commercial and thinking it was one of those epiphany things, kind of like, you know, <laughs> like everything is pointless. Um, but it was one of those epiphany things that was just like, this guy's trying to sell a car, but in, in 60 years, he's going to be dead and that car's going to be rusted out. But it was, it was one of those like aha moments where I was like, what are we even doing here? I mean, I wasn't a Christian at this point. I was just thinking, what's the point in any of this? We go through all this stuff. We have TVs. We have stuff. We have all this stuff. But all this is going to end for us at some point. That came back when I was in my late teens trying to figure out this whole life and what, what it was about and recognizing that there's got to be something more. This desire that we have, I love Bill Starling talks about, and you've probably heard another place that we have this God-shaped hole that we try to fill with everything else and nothing fits. Desire for creation is to know its maker. And I want to encourage you that when, when you do get to know your maker, he's not nearly as much of a, a grumpy old jerk than you may have been told. Going back to John 20, 20, 20 verse 2, at the very end of it, she says, we do not know where they have put him. <laughs> so we've lost Jesus. And so we're going to skip down to John twenty eleven. It says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked at the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him as Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. What I want to focus on there is he called her by name and she recognized his voice. God knows you by name. You're not a number to him. You're not a check mark. You were loved and you were known by God and he calls you by name. He's not wandering around somewhere lost. When he's talking about here, go tell the disciples, I'm going to go to not just his father, but your father. Not just to his God, but your God. When he does that, he says, it's better that I leave. Do you remember? It's better that I go. Why is it better that he goes? Because he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Now he's not limited by just one, one place. I heard a pastor say one time that if the devil was smart, he would have never killed him because now he's just multiplied him. <laughs> now he's got to deal with all of us. <laughs> like the devil is so dumb. <laughs> but now you have all these Holy Spirits. You have all these these clay jars, these Dixie cups filled with deity, with we're heirs and co-heirs. 
what I wanted to get into that we're, we're not going to really have a lot of time for because I know y'all are hungry um, was the inheritance that we have. We are heirs and co-heirs with Christ that he knows us by name. This abundant life that you have is a life of security. You're not left as an orphan. Another thing I think about Bill when he adopted Chris, uh, we learned a lot about adoption at that time, and I remember kind of walking through that with him. Um, he fostered Chris first, and then when they decided to adopt him, they realized that the adopted son actually has more rights than the, the sons or the, the kids that he would have because you've chosen to take that child in. In the same way, when we're grafted in, God chose you and I to be with him. We have every right that a, that a, a child that, that deserved to be, even though we didn't. We have even more rights than that because he chose to bring us in. I just want to encourage you today that no matter what's going on in your life right now, just as we talked about in worship, we, we can talk about God and we can sing out to him and those are all very good things and we can learn more about him and those are beautiful and, and important. But I want to tell you, there's, a, there's another leg to this, and it's experiencing, it's experiencing who God is in your life every moment of every day. It's living an abundant life beyond your own ability to do it. <laughs> and when you find yourself in those weak places, when you think, uh, my only two choices or to pull myself up by my bootstraps and try harder or give up, I want to encourage you to look at the third option and the only real eternal option, and that's Christ's life. It's an abundant life. And I find myself, especially lately, really, really digging deeper into what that looks like. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Every interaction that you come, you, you have, and I, and I know all of us are busy. I know we're all busy. But I want to encourage you to, to take some time. Take some time to see people. Take some time to call them by name. Take some time to love them like God loves them. Take some time and you will see that abundant life manifest right in front of your face. Stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. Father, just as you told Mary, don't hold on to me. Help us not just to hold on to this historical version of Jesus, this, uh, this idea that you were distant and far from us. Let us let go of that. But Lord, help us to hold on to the truth that you are with us. Lord, that nothing can separate the love that you've given us. Nothing can separate you from us. No matter how hard we try, no matter how far we run, Lord, you will find us. Lord, you are a good father, and you treat us like we are good children, even when we're not. So Lord, I pray that you... You reach every person in this place, Lord, and you give them those same divine meetings, those same downloads, Lord, the, the same Holy Spirit that I have, they have. So I pray that you would um, just begin to give them dreams and visions and, and a clear understanding of who you are. Lord, I just, I, I see, I just see a shift in the Spirit that, that you're going to bring us to a place where those things are going to be a little bit more real and a little bit more vivid. And I thank you for that because it's only you that can do it. Lord, we're here because of you. And when we leave those doors, our abundant life is because of you. And we just, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.